Today we'll be discussing the career of actress Mindy Kaling, and we'll be discussing the drug Ozempic. This is Doctor vs. Comedian. Dr. Asif Doja, and this is the Doctor of Laughs. Not a real doctor. Ali Hassan. Every episode I pick a topic for Ali from comedy and entertainment, and I question him about it. Then Ali picks a topic for medicine and health and grills me on that topic. Today we will discuss the career of actress Mindy Kaling. And we'll also discuss the new-ish medication, semiglutide, which is also called Ozempic and Wegovy, which is marketed for diabetes and obesity. Now, before we get started, we need to talk about why we're relating these two topics. Yes, Asif. What are you trying to start here, Asif? Well, nothing. So (laughs) put this out in the open. Mindy Kaling has lost a lot of weight recently in the past year or so. And a lot of people online have, without proof, I should say, said that she's used these medications. So because it's come up in the news, we thought we we would talk about this, but there's absolutely no proof that Mindy Kaling has... Speculation. A lot of people are speculating because it is something that celebrities are using, but her name, as well as the name of Kim Kardashian, are two people who are tied to this weight loss drug. Actually, I shouldn't even say, and I should say this controversial drug. There's a lot of a variety of controversy mm-hmm. around it, including these uh, speculations and all that. And at the end of the day, I think Asif and I would rather talk about the career of Mindy Kaling versus the career of Kim Kardashian. And it's good. I think Mindy Kaling also has a lot more that she's going to do. I think we can expect to see much more from her. She is a veritable machine of creativity. But yeah, let's get into Mindy Kaling's life and career. Okay, so Ali, let's talk about Mindy Kaling. We'll talk about some interesting facts about her, maybe when we first heard about her. Then I have a very interesting story about her family, which I may have alluded to in the podcast, but I never told the whole story. So it's not about me, but I read it uh, a couple of years ago, and I want to share it with everyone. Thanks for clarifying. You did make it sound like you and Mindy Kaling had some familial connections for a second. Yeah, we do not. We do not. When did you first hear uh, like or see Mindy Kaling? Mindy Kaling was a huge deal to me because on a show that I loved, The Office, she sort of appeared. Now, unfortunately, she appeared as an extremely annoying character. It's it's a bit bittersweet. Kelly Kapoor was quite annoying. It's interesting because I don't remember loving BJ Novak's character. And then as soon as uh, Kapoor shows up, she kind of made Ryan look better and more reasonable. She she was stalking him and just kind of being generally annoying. But I do understand how acting works. And I was pretty happy to see a, a brown woman on TV in, in such a funny role. Yeah, that's when I first noticed it too. She's actually in episode two of the rebooted American version of The Office. By the way, I tried to tell my daughter, I'm like, oh, you should watch the British version because it's the classic. And she's like, no, I'm not going to watch it. I'm like, oh my God, you have no idea. Anyway. What was the no about? Just like, just like I don't want to mess probably with perfection. Teenage resistance to, <laughs> you know, do anything there. Parent suggests. Yeah, of course. We talked in a previous episode how Ali's daughter, who's about 17, she's going to see Inhaler, which is the band that U2's son is in. Bono's son. U2 and didn't I said, have oh a my son. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. What's that? 
You said U2 son. It's just now you're sounding like my 17 year old Bono's son. U2 is a band. We had to explain to her. Anyway, so, and I think I'm like, oh, I love Inhaler. I have them on my phone. I think in that split second, your daughter was like, yeah, I don't probably need to go to this concert anymore. <laughs> so uncool. So I think it's the uncoolness. But anyway, but back to the American office. Yes, that's where I saw her. She's on the second episode, Diversity. I remember seeing her. And again, this is like, you know, in the mid-2000s, I was still like, whenever a brown person appeared on TV, I'm like, oh, who's that? Who's that? She was a bit of a background character then became more of a main person. She was hired by Greg Daniels to be a writer slash actor on the show. Wait a minute. other people were You're, Are you that. telling me that only in the mid-2000s were you impressed when a brown person was in television no, and you went sorry. to look them What up? I'm trying to say is I've stopped doing that now because there are thankfully now so many brown people on TV that I don't have to do that. I still look them up out of a sense of curiosity. and No, and no, no. Pride. You do it out of a sense of jealousy. How come I <laughs> booked that role? How come I wasn't the lead on Never Have I Ever? I could have played a 16-year-old. That's unfair. Yeah, exactly. So I did see her on that. I thought she was great. It's also interesting. She always wore these dresses that were kind of like a strange floral print on the show. I was like, why are they choosing to have her dress like that? It didn't really make sense with the way her character evolved, but I thought she was great. Uh, but that's, yeah, that's when I first saw her. Your complaints with the costume department notwithstanding, you were a fan of Kelly. Yes, Kelly. I was a fan. So interesting background to her. She grew up in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and her father was an architect and her mother was an obstetrician gynecologist. OBGYN, we say in the biz, Asif, if you want to sound cool. but Well, we say OB-GYN in Canada. No, they dude. say OBGYN in okay. America, yes. So just get all the... And, and they immigrated, I think, to the States in the, in the late 70s, but she was born here. And yeah, I think one, a couple of interesting things. Her name is actually Vera, and her last name is Chokalingam. Wasn't too bad of a pronunciation of her last name. I couldn't tell you. I'm not here to correct those things. But yeah, Kaling exists, interestingly, in the middle of Chokalingam. You take off the two AM at the oh, end right. and the Cho yeah. at the top. And that's where that's Kaling comes from, which is not, you know. And by the way, the rationale, I don't have any proof of this, more speculation. But the reason you probably go with Kaling rather than Lingam is Lingam in Hinduism, is a symbol of divine generative energy, especially a phallus or phallic object no. as a symbol of Shiva. Okay, mm. anyway, yeah, so that's, that's the wise the choice. That's people, people would research just to make fun of you. You know, that's what they would do. Like, have no interest in Indian culture, Hindu religion, and then they look it up so they can make fun of you. So she actually was always called Mindy, though. So Mindy is kind of her middle name, but she's always been called that because and she's never really been called Vera. She said her family was looking for like a cute American name. And so they like Mindy for Mork and Mindy. So that's, or her parents decided to call her. And then she went to Dartmouth. What else? She did an internship with Conan O'Brien, but then she came to fame in 2002. I remember hearing about this where she did an off-Broadway play called Matt and Ben with a friend of hers from college, Brenda Withers. And one of them played Matt Damon, the other played Ben Affleck. It's all about them coming up with Goodwill Hunting. It was like a popular off-Broadway play. Yeah, one of uh, Time Magazine's top 10 theatrical events of the year. It's a big deal. I mean, that's what, when I say we have more to see from Mindy Kaling, this is what I mean. I mean, to be 22 years old and creating something like that, yes, it's off-Broadway, Broadway, but it's still like well, well uh, recognized and still talked about, you know, as something that would sort of put her on the map. That's pretty awesome. 
Mm-hmm. And then she did 2012. She had left the office, and then she got a deal with Fox, and she made the Mindy Project. Did you ever check out Mindy Project? Not only did I check it out, my wife and I watched it on a regular basis every really? single Really? Yeah. Wow. I have only seen probably the first five episodes. I didn't really... Yeah, I really find it that funny. So I kind of trailed off. I do have some friends who love it, one of their favorite shows ever. So what what do you think of it? I mean, I guess you liked it. Well, do you know who I watched it for? Ike Barinholtz. Oh, Ike Barinholtz. Yeah, very funny guy. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of that guy. And then there was this other cast of dudes who I didn't really know that well, and they were really good. She surrounded herself with a great supporting cast. And looked great in the process. I thought the writing was good. I thought it was pretty good. I don't know if it stands up to time. You know, it's been a long time since I've thought about that show. And and I probably would have forgotten about how much time my wife and I invested into it. But we definitely watched a lot of it. Probably the first three seasons for sure. I like Chris Messina a lot. Well, so I had never heard of Chris Messina before that show. And now he's become like a, a big deal. And he's fantastic in everything he does. Yeah, I thought that he could have been like the next Han Solo or... Uh... Like Indiana Jones. Like I thought he had that Harrison Ford yes. kind of vibe to him. He's I don't know how much he's been in. He's been a couple things afterwards. He was in Sharp Objects, uh, but I haven't really seen him that much. But I think he's really good. And yeah, so I did think the uh, cast was talented. I don't know. It just didn't gel for me, so I kind of stopped watching it. But like I said, lots of people with big, who are big fans. But then, of course, in 2020, Never Have I Ever. We've talked about this on the podcast before. Love the show. Think it's great. Did that with Lang Fisher co-create that with Lang Fisher. And as we talked about before, it's about this Indian American high school student dealing with the death of her father. So similarly, actually, Mindy Kaling's mother died of pancreatic cancer in 2012. So Mindy wouldn't have been the exact same age as the character. She would have been a bit older, but I'm sure she draws on some of that. And of course, her mother in the show is a physician and Mindy Kaling's mother who passed away was a physician. So there are some similarities there. So she has two kids, Catherine and Spencer. And interestingly, she has not revealed who the father is. I don't believe the father lives with them. I don't think she's married, but she has had the uh, same father for both children. What? I didn't even know that. Reveal it. Yeah. And her close friends don't even know who, who the father is. But she's, a, well, so she's essentially a single parent. I always thought she was just protecting the dude from Hollywood because I don't I don't know if I even see pictures of her kids, really, but I follow her on Instagram, and I, I don't know if I've seen pictures of her kids, but never of a of a husband. That makes sense. There I never have. No. I actually even don't know if they're half white or not, or half a different right. you know, uh, race or not. But So that's like an interesting little tidbit of her life. Now, I actually have another connection to Mindy Kaling, which I don't know if you have this also, but I read her first book. A friend of mine had sent this to me, and... You know what's interesting, and again, you know, this so funny when you're looking at something with the you know 2020 hindsight and all that. But the book really mentions her weight a fair amount, and it feels like one of these things where I'll make fun of myself so nobody. Uh, it's the old eight mile thing. You remember Eminem made fun of himself in a rap, and then they, right, the, in the right. bat, battle rap, no one could say anything. So it feels like that a little bit. In fact, I remember a story about like a Senegalese kid some visiting student in her high school and he called her a whale and she wished nothing but bad things for her, you know? And if you look at the book, I have it in front of me right now too. You know, it's a lot of like, I forget nothing. A sensitive kid looks back chubby for life is another chapter. And there's a lot of like, you know, kind of 
the day I stopped eating cupcakes and things. Her weight feels like a large part of her identity. However, the book also has a lot of pictures in it of Mindy through the years. And at some level, you're like, is this body dysmorphia? Because she wasn't overweight enough for this to be a huge issue for her. But anyway, I, you know, that's part of the problem with this drug that we're going to talk about, like who quote unquote needs it and who doesn't. Yeah, that's interesting. You talk about her first book, by the way, right? I am talking about her first book, which is called Is Everyone Hanging Out Without Me? Yeah. And even the cover of the book, like, you know, her cheekbones are defined. And so I'm like, there's clearly been many periods of your life where have you, you've not been, you know, overweight by, by anybody's standards. And, you know, that makes Mindy Kaling very much like me, just somebody who up and down with their weight. Did my book talk about weight for me? Probably. Maybe I did the same thing. Who knows? So one of my favorite things about this book, she has this one chapter. It's kind of loosely assembled, this book. It doesn't have a ton of structure. It's more like collected essays. So one of the essays is my favorite 11 moments in comedy. Number one, Will Ferrell shouting from the phone booth in Anchorman. Great. Number two, Liz Lemon crying out of her mouth on 30 Rock. Fantastic. Chris Farley as Matt Foley. Number three, classic. This is the only one I didn't know. Amy Poehler as Caitlin. You know who Kate? You must. Caitlin's like the little kid that she plays on, uh, right? On On SNL? SNL? I guess so, yeah. Yeah. I missed every single one of those somehow. I must have been out of SNL. Number five, the racial draft on Chappelle's show. One of the best things ever. Paul Rudd in Wet Hot American Summer. Terrific. Ricky Gervais as David Brent, period. Okay, take that to your daughter. Christopher Moltisanti's drug intervention on The Sopranos. Amazing. Frank the Tank getting shot in the neck with a tranquilizer in old school. I love you, man. You're crazy, but I like you. Not I love you. I like you. Which is tied with Will Ferrell stabbing his own thigh with a knife in Talladega Nights to prove he's also fantastic. And number 10, Melissa McCarthy in Bridesmaids, period, the whole mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And number 11, Michael Scott hitting Meredith with his car on The Office. Dude, I'm like, Mindy, we have the exact same Jason Cohen. Three Will Ferrell mentions. Mm-hmm, By the way, mm-hmm. we should talk about Will Ferrell's life at some point. But anyway, I every one of those moments, I'm like, this is perfect. And then others, you know, uh, the honorable mentions is a Borat on the treadmill in the Ali G show, a star is born. I don't know how many people know that. Remember my friend Q and I watching the Ali G show late at night in his basement and just laughing till it hurt. That was fantastic. Michael Palin's stutter attack in a fish called Wanda is a tour de force. Mm -hmm. She says everyone in that scene is doing exactly what they do best at the same time. It's really like, as far as an ensemble cast, it's, I we got I gotta watch that with my kids. I could watch that with my kids, can I? I don't know. No, anyway, I can't remember. I just told Ali about this website, Common Sense Media, which kind of tells you what's all the objectionable things in these. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll have to movies, know. so then you can decide for yourself what is appropriate for your kids or not. Research, eh? I'll so yeah, I haven't it. read her book. Uh, my wife's read it. I think she's read a couple of her books, but I have this story I want to tell you about Mindy Kaling's brother. Her brother has been slightly disowned from the family. Okay, her brother is uh, Vijay Chokalingam. I didn't know that. Okay. And so he basically wrote this book, okay? It's called Almost Black, The True Story of How I Got Into Medical School by Pretending to Be Black. Okay? <laughs> That's what he is a self-published book. You can go to his website and 
hopefully not buy it. Just listen to what I have to say and then don't buy it. <laughs> so, okay, here's a story about his kid. He, uh, this kid, her brother. He was at the University of Chicago and he realized that, you know, he did okay. He had a 3.1 GPA. A 3.1 GPA is what the, you know, g- that kind of GPA out of four is the American kind of version. Converted to a percentage, which is probably the easiest way to do it for our listeners across the world. It's about an 80 three to 86 percentage. So it's good marks, you know, probably not the kind that are going to get you into a very like medical school, law school, a really competitive MBA program or a really competitive grad program, right? But they're not bad marks. So he saw that people with even higher marks than him were not getting into medical school. And he felt that this was because of affirmative action. So in other words, and we obviously will do a full episode in the future on, you know, affirmative action, race and medical school, hopefully with some people who are members of underrepresented minority groups who are in medicine, because I think that's who we want to hear from. But that was the point for, for him. Being a South Asian, being Asian, being white, these are not underrepresented groups in medicine in the US. So they don't get preferential treatment when it comes to marks. But he his argument was African Americans can have a lower GPA and basically get into medical school. So what he did was he decided to go on his resume by his middle name, which is Jojo. Okay. I don't really know what he did with his last name. I'm quite sure what he did. And he actually joined the Black Students Association at the University of Chicago. Went to meetings. Like It's not like he joined it in name only. And of course, a lot of these student associations will allow anybody to come. Like they're not, they don't discriminate because anybody who wants to can, can join. So he did join. And he says, as soon as he applied like that, he got a whole bunch of interest and lots of interviews. He describes his book as being, it combines the comic tone of 1986's Soul Man, starring C. Thomas Howell, Rain Dong Chong and James Earl Jones. With the deeply poignant observations of Black Like Me, John Howard Griffin's classic. I'm like, I don't even know if Soul Man stands up. I'm sure it does not. But I I think, like, I mean, this guy is so delusional. Anyway, what he said he did was he shaved his head, trimmed his eyelashes, because his eyelashes very brown. So he trimmed that and then applied to these medical schools. So he said he got a bunch of interest from medical schools. He actually got into St. Louis University Medical School. He went there for two years, and then he eventually dropped out. Doesn't not quite clear whether he dropped out because he was found out or mm. whatever for whatever reason. He eventually was accepted and graduated from UCLA's Anderson's MBA program. He said he had some very interesting experiences just because he was playing at being African-American, he was now harassed by police officers and accused of shoplifting at stores and something he says he never experienced when he was an Indian-American doctor's son. He said there were some upsides, though. Women suddenly saw him and were way more interested in him because he had this magnetism because he was African-American, not Indian-American. And none of his Indian-American friends could understand. Okay, a couple of takeaways from this. I mean, number one, he's not well. That's for sure. Okay, this is not a normal person. If you do that, that's already, you know, that's really like unethical, you know, but you do it, you do it. Okay, people do unethical things behind the shadows. 
Why bring that out in public? Why tell people you did that? You understand what you're doing, taking away a spot from somebody who actually deserves it, or, you know, the system is designed to help certain people and you now are not helping those people. I don't understand how he thought that would make him look. And also another takeaway is that the UCLA Anderson MBA program needs to do some better screening and vetting on who runs through there. I didn't know he was disowned. I'm actually uh, kind of happy to hear that. So Mindy Killing does not speak publicly about this whole situation or his brother, but she is quoted on his website as saying, Mindy Killing said, this will bring shame on the family. So I shouldn't say I'm I'm kind of stretching to say he's disowned. I don't really know that for sure. But she was very worried that it would bring shame on her family because she is a logical human being who thinks yes. properly. Did he write this like years after he dropped out of medical school or? I believe so. And I believe it was after his MBA. I'm not quite sure because I am not in a million years paying for this book. Like. Yeah, it was released in 2016. So I think That's it was the after other thing. he did you know, all this. It's a lot of work to self-publish. It's not like an editor came to him and like, we would love to hear your story. He self-published. He was hell-bent on getting his own story out when nobody else wanted to hear it. What a what a clown, basically. That's all I can tell you. That's almost... And Soul Man took a hit for no good reason, too. <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, I'm not really sure that should not take a hit. But anyway, yeah, let's talk about some more positive things just to wrap this up. What's the future holding for Mindy Kaling? Listen, Mindy Kaling is the type of person that I would really never speak badly about. I think she is a trailblazer. I mean, we have a South Asian woman, show writing, executive producing all these shows, great career in writing. And she's, you know, does a lot for charity. Her mother, as we said, passed away from pancreatic cancer. She helps out with pancreatic cancer charities. I don't know. I think she's a role model for a lot of people and she has a lot of stuff coming up. She's going to be writing the third Legally Blonde movie with Dan Gurr from uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And she has Velma, right? This It's like a reboot animated series about the character Velma. It's an adult animated series on HBO Max. Yeah. So it's not a reboot. What is that called? Not a reboot. Sorry. It's a retcon. I was trying to explain to Ali this term retcon where they're re-envisioning something. So Velma was white in in the comics and in the cartoon, but in this she's retconned as being South Asian. Uh, Mindy Hilling does the voice for Velma. And you've seen the voice cast on this, right, Ali? Listen, this voice cast is what Look, I don't know Mindy Kaling, but heard a few interviews on, uh, you know, Mark Maron's WTF pod many years ago. I do feel like, you know, as she writes, you know, she says I'm a sensitive person and also, but I feel like she doesn't have an ego. I mean, like I was telling you with the Mindy Project, surrounded herself with people who could outshine her potentially. And it didn't bother her because I believe, and again, I know nothing here, but it feels like she understands that if, if they succeed, the whole show succeeds and therefore she succeeds. And my God, like this cast for this show for Velma, here are the names I know. I don't know all of them, but I know Constance Wu, Russell mm-hmm. Peters plays her dad, Melissa Fumero, Jane Lynch, Wanda Sykes, Nicole Byer, Gary Cole, Stephen Root, Weird Al Yankovic, Fortune Feimster is a fantastic comedian, Yvonne Orji from Issa Rae's Insecure. I mean, really like... Sam Richardson's in it, apparently playing like his character, I think, is like Shaggy or the person who will eventually become Shaggy. So it sounds very intriguing. It sounds like it's a very adult comedy focused, similar to Harley Quinn, which I love also is on HBO Max in the US. 
the reviews are not so good so far. Basically, I think people like the adult humor, but this review from IGN, they say Velma isn't just a spunky, sarcastic teen who wants to fight the patriarchy and solve mysteries. She's also kind of a jerk. So I think it's kind of the jerkiness of them. It reminds me when there was a Muppets reboot a couple of years ago. They're like, and then someone was making fun of it on Twitter. They're like, what if we did the Muppets, but they're a-holes? <laughs> that was apparently because there was like constant strife and fighting between the Muppets. Like, who wants this? So I don't know. It's I, I guess we'll have to judge for ourselves. I haven't watched it yet, but I think we'll have to judge for ourselves. Asif, you were supposed to end, you jerk, you a-hole, you were supposed to end on a positive note. Instead, you read a review for Velma. I've not seen it yet. I'll definitely watch it, especially for that cast. I think that'll be of interest to me. You and I used to watch Scooby-Doo. We'd probably have to do some work to mentally unattach ourselves from the show of our youth, and that'll take one episode, and then we'll see how it goes. But as I say, Mindy Kaling... It's like, I don't even think she's half done. She has a huge sense of creativity. I think she has a great sense of humor and she has money and connections to do whatever she wants. And I think she does that for the betterment of entertainment in general. So as Asif mentioned off the top, we are talking about this drug called Ozempic, controversial drug, came to my attention simultaneously in two ways. Number one, I saw it on the boards watching a Toronto Maple Leafs game with my son, just trying to be a good dad. No love for the Maple Leafs, just something you got to do sometimes. And they were occupying two boards in the corners of the rink for advertising. And at the same time, my 17-year-old daughter of uh, U2 inhaler fame also mentioned that, oh, I think Mindy Kaling is on this weight loss drug. And I'm like, is she? Has she said it? And then she, you know, with her fast 17-year-old fingers was like, no, she is completely denying it. But the internet is saying she's taking this weight loss drug. And I was like, oh, interesting. And then we looked into it and you asked if you already obviously knew about it because you know about drugs, but that's what got it onto my radar. And I thought it's a good idea to talk about this and see what all the hubbub is about. Very interesting. First thing I'm going to say out of the gate is that if you go to the Ozempic website and, you know, people ask, is Ozempic used just for weight loss? Ozempic, and this is as of three days ago, there's a quote right away that says Ozempic is FDA approved for the treatment of diabetes only. It is not a weight loss medication. And then you go to Variety. And Variety magazine says, Hollywood's secret new weight loss drug revealed the hype and hazards of Ozempic. So I guess it depends on who you are and how you come to it. Yeah, so much to unpack here. So let's back up a second for Mindy Kaling. So I don't know. I'll link to some interviews with her on ET Online and People. The problem with Hollywood is that this focus on weight, especially for women, you know, men, like when Jonah Hill lost weight, they'll mention it. But really, it's and it just has to be part of all these conversations. So, you know, in these interviews, we'll link to ET Online people. They ask Mindy how she's doing it. She says, you know, I don't do any restrictive diets. I just eat less of what I like, which is fine, a reasonable way to reduce your calories. Even for working out, she says, you know, I just don't find it needs to be punishing. You know, I'm not going to do 45 minutes on a treadmill, a seven-minute mile. I'll just do jogging one day, walking one day, yoga one day, Pilates one day, strength training. And so, yeah. Although I will say, let me just jump in there, Asa, for a second and say that 
with the internet being the cruel place that it is, if you are going to deny your connection to something, I think it has to be rock solid. For her to say I'm getting exercise in 10-minute increments a few times a day, that is going to just add fire to speculation. So I, I don't know if she did herself did herself any favors there. Yeah, exactly. But as you're saying, you know, people calling it the worst kept secret in Hollywood, as you were saying, and they do a lot of these blind items, you know, blind items on the gossip pages. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh. No, I don't. So blind items are a way for people in gossip pages on the internet to promote rumors, but you're not saying it's Mindy Kaling or Adele or Rebel Wilson or Oprah, all these people. You're saying a certain famous comedian has been linked to this weight loss drug and, and people are so happy with this, you know? So these blind items imply, and then the comments for the blind items are on the retweets. People will say, oh, it's clearly this person. It's clearly this person. So they're basically the Variety article saying, yeah, everybody's doing it, but nobody's admitting to it. Elon Musk he credits Wegovy, which I'll get the difference between Ozempic and Wegovy in a second. That's his secret. And listen, videos tagged with Ozempic have over 300 million views on TikTok. The hashtag Ozempic weight loss is at 125 million views and rising. This was from a couple months ago. So yeah, it makes sense. People want to know about this medicine. So this medicine is an analog to a human hormone called GLP-1. Okay, so it acts the same way as GLP-1. GLP-1 is released by our intestines when we eat. It tells our brains that we're full, so it reduces food cravings. And it also helps the pancreas, which we've talked about before, control blood sugar because it helps to release insulin and suppresses glucagon. So we know that more insulin, less glucagon will help to regulate your blood sugar. But it does something else too. It slows the rate at which food leaves our stomach. Okay, so you feel full for longer. It increases what we call satiety, which is the feeling of being satiety. I thought that was, right? yeah, I thought that was satiety. Okay, satiety. Maybe, maybe it is. I don't know. I think we say satiety in medicine. And it makes you feel full for longer, so you have less of an appetite. So the net result is you don't eat as much and you lose weight. Now, Ozempic has to be given as an injection about once a week, Okay. And so in the initial trials where they looked at it, and I can link to it, there's this endocrinologist, Dr. Sue, who's a Canadian endocrinologist who's been involved in some of these trials, very balanced, easy to read take on the medication. So there were several studies, they were called the STEP studies, S-T-E-P, and there were several of them that looked at this. And they looked at it at the beginning with just for people with diabetes mainly, okay, with type 2 diabetes. And it basically showed an improvement in these patients in terms of weight loss, reducing their blood sugars, reducing their cardiovascular risk, which is also very important. So basically, it was shown to improve the blood sugars in patients with type 2 diabetes and help with weight loss. In patients with pre-diabetes, and we can talk about pre-diabetes if you want for a second, 84% of people with pre-diabetes at baseline reverted to normal blood sugars. Now, a couple when of things- taking Ozempic. Uh, when taking Ozempic, a couple of things. All these studies are when you combine it with exercise and dietary modification. Okay, that's an important thing. That is very important. Yeah, pre-diabetes, by the way, is if you have fasting blood sugars between 6.1 and 6.9, this is in Canada, a hemoglobin A1C between 6% to 6.4%, so 0.6 to 0.64, or an abnormal glucose tolerance test from 7.8 to 11. 
Wait, why do you say in Canada? The U.S. has a higher or a lower range? No, because I'm using millimoles per liter, and the units we use are different in the U.S. And a okay. lot of the studies, you'll see U.S. data, but internationally, we really really use millimoles per liter. So that's why I'm using that. And it's recommended, Diabetes Canada recommends getting screened with either fasting glucose or an A1C every three years after age 40, if you have no risk factor. Regardless of whether you're at risk or not. Yeah, you might do more if you have risk factors. And then so you may identify these people with prediabetes and perhaps this Ozempic could be used. And we should mention, by the way, Asif, you know, I was going to ask you about risk factors and all that, but our previous episode is all about type 2 diabetes. So if people want to know more about, you know, the literature around type 2 diabetes, you just got to go back one episode to get all that into your ears. And this is really much more focused on this drug itself. A couple of things to remember, the weight loss in the step one trial, so the first of those step trials, it reached its maximum at week 60 of being on the drug. So it can take a long time to achieve the weight loss. So it's not necessarily a rapid fix, though a lot of people will note it rapidly. So now we're getting to the question that you asked. How come it's saying on the Ozempic website that it's not marketed for weight loss? Okay, so what happened was the Ozempic trials were using one milligram of Ozempic administered weekly, okay? That proved that that dose, which is a low dose, one milligram, you were able to improve blood sugars, weight loss in patients with diabetes and reduce their cardiovascular risk. So that's good. It works. And again, that's in conjunction with diet and exercise. Okay. So what happened was, and this was a more recent study that was published in the New England Journal of Medicine, where they used a higher dose of 2.4 milligrams weekly for people with or without type 2 diabetes, but they use it as an obesity treatment. So this is where it gets confusing. Ozempic is the brand name for the one milligram dose, but the exact same drug when given at 2.4 milligrams, which is what was done in the study looking at obesity, that's called Wegovy in the US. So it's the exact same medicine, just marketed in a different name. So when Elon Musk is saying, I use Wegovy, yeah, he did because he used it for weight loss. Anyway, so do you understand what I'm saying? It's, I do. it's, it's just, a, I don't even know what. It's, yeah. it's semantics. But anyway, it's a different name. So like I said, this weight loss trial was looking at the 2.4 milligrams. So Wegovy. The weight loss seen in the Wegovy group, this, the group that was getting the drug, was 12.4% more than placebo, and that exceeds what most obesity medicines can do in terms of the weight loss. They found 9 out of 10 people in the Wegovy group lost at least 5% of their weight, which they find is a meaningful decrease for health improvements, and over 50% of patients received a weight loss of 15% or more. And a third of patients had 20% of weight loss. That's the type of weight loss that you get with some types of bariatric surgery. Mm -hmm. So not everyone is going to have a significant weight loss, but usually most will have at least 5%, but some people up to 20%, which is quite impressive. We should probably let people know what bariatric surgery is if they don't, right? The stomach stapling, essentially. Stomach stapling surgery. Probably useful to go to a whole episode of that. We've actually seen some patients who've had complications from the bariatric Same. surgery, neurologic complications. Oh, wow. So, uh, Probably looking at a separate episode for bariatric surgery and weight loss. I actually wouldn't mind having this Dr. Sue on just talking about obesity in general because she seems to know a lot about it. So definitely works for weight loss. But again, Ali, remember, these are patients who had this the definition of obesity, the medical definition of obesity. 
And I'm going to ask you what the medical definition of obesity is. Is it still body mass index? Is they say look at yeah, yeah. Because I have been called by your medical industry obese in the past because my BMI was 29 or something. I don't know. For my age, it was like way too high. So what is yeah. where does obesity begin? BMI over 25 is considered overweight and 30 is obese by the WHO. As you mentioned, again, we really probably need to talk about obesity in a separate episode because a lot of people have problems with that. You know, a simple thing is bodybuilders will have a very high BMI because they pack so much muscle onto their frame. But is that the same thing as, you know, as someone who most of that is, say, fatty tissue, right? I mean, so, but anyway, the short story is that's the people who they included in the study with a BMI over 30. So definitely works for people with diabetes and definitely works for obese patients to lose weight. Okay. Like most drugs, when you read the list of side effects, it reads like something nobody wants anything to do with, but I guess weight loss and, you know, management of people's diabetes, I guess, is so sought after that those things are ignored. So can you talk about the side effects and also complications? Because are you on this drug for life once you start taking it? Yeah, so that's a good point. First of all, they did notice that people who came off the medicine regained the weight. So you need to take it in theory forever. Okay, mm. so that's the first thing. So it does have side effects, mainly relating to gastrointestinal side effects. The rate, it's a bit unclear to me because if you look at the major step studies, there's a review that was done in the journal Canadian Family Physician. So they said, looking at all the trials, about 75% of patients had gastrointestinal side effects. But interestingly, very few discontinued treatment because of it. Regulators and the drug manufacturers themselves thought that the fact that you need to give yourself an injection once a week would be a deterrent. That is not a deterrent. People like actually prefer an injection once a week than having to remember to take a pill every day. So that was interesting. And though a lot of people had these GI side effects, very few discontinued treatment. It's interesting. On Dr. Sue's website, again, I'll, I'll link to it because I, I do find she has reliable information. She says in her practice, about 20% of people get GI upset. So I'm not sure of the difference. She says it's usually mostly early on when you're starting the treatment. And it's nausea, diarrhea, constipation, heartburn, or vomiting. And you can kind of... See All why, stuff because you get after a nice visit to Taco Bell anyway, am I right? Yuck, yuck, yuck. yuck, yuck, yuck. So it's because it slows that gastric emptying. So here's what she recommends. She has another paper where she counsels people on how to manage those side effects. So she says, reduce your meal size. Stop eating once you're full. Don't keep eating, right, to reduce the side effects. Don't eat when you're not hungry. Avoid high fat or spicy food, especially during the initial part, and moderate intake of alcohol and fizzy drinks. So what do you think of that advice on how to mitigate those side effects? Listen, man, this whole thing is hilarious to me in one respect. And, you know, I'm not talking about people who are obese and morbidly obese who are basically in trouble. But two things you just said. Number one, it takes 60 weeks to work. And then the other the thing, maximum effect, maximum effect. Some people will see a difference early. Yeah, quickly, but 60 weeks for maximum effect. And it has to be done alongside diet and exercise. For a lot of people, you know what would work over 60 weeks? Just diet or exercise. Like if you're well, it, doing but it properly. Ali, no, hold on. That was the placebo group. So this is why you improved more than the placebo group. 
The placebo group did do diet and exercise, and then the other group and did, did diet and exercise plus get as much success as correct, correct. So a, you will okay. get more success. The funny thing is, like, okay, you need to reduce your meal size. Stop eating once full. Yeah, all the stuff eating, you just hungry. said is these are all practical advice. So essentially, the way I think about this drug is the side effect is the treatment. The side effect is, I, I think, just some people are more in tune to what's going on. They're like, oh, I really feel uncomfortable and nauseous because I ate too much. I should just reduce my portion size. To me, that's how you're losing weight. Yeah, if I could do that, I wouldn't struggle with my weight. If I could listen to my body. So I think basically in terms of other side effects, 1% chance of getting gallstones over your baseline risk of getting gallstones, one in a thousand per year chance of pancreatitis, which is a pretty severe side effect that can be fatal. And it is recommended. I think there is a theoretical risk of increasing your risk of thyroid cancer. So if you have a personal history of thyroid cancer, they don't recommend it. I'm not sure about a family history if that would preclude it, but you know, probably you need, should be very hesitant about it if you have a a strong family history of thyroid cancer. So those are the many risks. And of course, like, do you want to give yourself an injection every week? But again, most people prefer that. Listen, some people are thinking if I don't, I'll be taking injections every day because I'll be taking insulin, right? So maybe that's why, why they're why they're worried about that. So I'll just finish off by giving you two anecdotes to two friends. I will keep them anonymous. Okay. So one friend who Dave and Brad Ron, Ron, Ron and Karen. I just keep guessing names. Sure, sure. They're both male. One of them, his wife had, you know, their kids and, you know, women gain weight during pregnancy. He gained that whole sympathy weight, you know? So he used Ozempic because Ozempic was the only form that was available in Canada. Now we govy the higher dose formulation will be available in Canada. It's not available yet. Do you know why it's not available yet, Ali, in Canada? Because the name is too stupid? Yeah, it is a very stupid name. I mean, the whole idea of how they name drugs is so interesting. And drug manufacturers want you to write on a prescription the trade name because they want you to fill that as opposed to filling a generic, if there's a possibility of filling a generic. I'm like, then make your brand name as simple as possible and not complicated, really easy, and much easier to spell than the yeah. generic name. But Semelgatude is this one, which is... Semaglutide. Semaglutide. semaglutide? So there you go. It is, it, we govy is just a dumb name, but it is probably easier to say. So the reason it's... So it's Health Canada has approved the drug. It's ready to come to market, but the manufacturers are not bringing it to market yet in Canada. The reason? Because of the shortage in the U.S., and the reason for the shortage in the U.S. is celebrities. Yeah, they got it, celebrities, and now everybody wanting this on TikTok and social media, kind of blowing it up. And so people can't get it. There are stories that people can't get it, so they're trying to get it the one milligram form from Canada shipped to the U.S. And also, people are like, "No, I need this to help control my diabetes and my obesity." And then people are trying to use it basically for cosmetic reasons, right? People who aren't even overweight doing this, so it's it's a bit controversial. But getting back to my friend, he used it. He had gained the sympathy weight, as they call it, and it worked for him, and he did fine. I think he's off it now. Another one of my friends tried it. He's like, "Man, I stopped it. That nausea." was just too much. And, you know, it's again, because of how it works. And he's just, I couldn't do it. I had to stop. So I've seen one person who worked for one person that did it.
Okay, so hopefully people like this episode list or what you guys thought, drvcomedian at gmail.com, drvcomedian on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We are everywhere. Ali, anything to mention coming up maybe in February you got going on? Fair amount of touring. I'll be in Moncton. If you're in the East Coast, the Moncton Hubcap Comedy Festival, definitely worth looking into. I'm hosting their opening night on the Thursday, the first Thursday in February and continue touring throughout March and April and Canada reads the short list has been announced. So there are five books that you can go to cbcbooks.ca and you can look at the five contenders for Canada reads this year and get reading. Awesome. And remember, yes, I don't have anything going on, but no, I, I, the Asif was like, get reading, you know, remember when we did the end of year list, you had two books on it. That's your chance, I don't know bro. That's gonna happen. Yes. Mm-hmm. So remember though that although I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor, especially in this episode. I'm not trying to tell you to take Ozempic or not. Medical issues we talk about are for your interest and information only. They're not medical advice. Please consult your medical professionals for actual medical advice. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Another pistachio, perhaps? <laughs> Please don't. And they shout. They are shout. Yeah. I mean, that's the Indian style. You gotta have a shout. But the shell has to, you know, sometimes the shell is like so hard to open. Or there's nothing inside the shell, and then I hear as you go, what a rip off. That's such a scam. It's like when you get like mussels, you know, and then there'd be those mussels you can't open. I've heard you're not supposed to eat those mussels that are poisonous. Yeah, yeah. The fresh ones are the ones that open. If they stay shut, you do not attempt. It's not. With pistachios, you get the hammer out, and you're like, no, no, I paid too much for you. Yeah, but sometimes with the mussels, it's empty on the inside. So, and same with the pistachios. I've never experienced that. We're going to keep this in and let's start the actual <laughs> Mindy Kaling part now.